We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. No mic today. And the Lakers got a hell of a win last night in San Antonio. Before the game, LeBron James was ruled out due to his ankle issue from, from the last game. Frank Vogel said that the Lakers are taking a marathon approach. So it was Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and a bunch of vet minimum players, uh, which is only different from it being those two Two and LeBron James and a bunch of vet minimum guys. We're out a lot of guys. And so, Darius, I I thought last night's win was a fantastic building block in a number of ways. Uh, Lakers showed a lot of heart. Laker fans showed out in San Antonio. I thought it was great for the team to be on the road. What did you see? What stood out to you most from last night's game? So many things. Like, it was, it was a game full of little things that added up and some big things that added up, too, in order for the team to win. I, th- I think the overarching theme, and this is an idea that was brought up during the offseason as a way that I think a lot of people, but I want to say you brought this up originally within our pod, was that there were going to be games where Russell Westbrook's competitiveness just sort of helped the Lakers on some random night, right? And mm-hmm. the Lakers were down 12 heading into the fourth quarter of this game. They had played okay for a lot of the game and really poorly in a couple of different stretches with some lineups that honestly no one should expect to succeed. I don't even think right. Frank Vogel expected them to succeed. It it's was just more the guys like we have. Mm-hmm. it was more like we have 10 players available, and these are the nine who I really trust, really, to go out there and play in this specific game. So we're gonna make as many lineups as we can that we think are functionally have the skill sets to combine to compete. And unfortunately, one of those lineups, or really a couple of them, really didn't have the defensive identity out there in order to compete 
with a really young and bouncy Spurs team. And so I think it would have been not necessarily easy, but look, you're down LeBron James. You're already down a bunch of other guys who you expected to be contributors. Um, First night of a back-to-back, first road game of the year. It's sort of just like, okay, we'll get them next time. Like, it could have been that, and they could have played out the stretch. But I thought Russell Westbrook and then in tandem Anthony Davis, like, I think their intensity and their competitiveness and their sort of want to get after it um, and then Dwight Howard as well. He's that, great in that fourth quarter and over. Yeah. Like yeah. it changed, it changed the outlook of the game. And suddenly 12 point lead was a five point lead. And then it was a three point lead. And now it's a one point game. And it's just like, Oh, we in this now. And they're sort of no turning back and credit to the Spurs too. I thought Greg Popovich's comments after the game, like our guys are playing hard. They stuck with it tonight. Like he, yeah, he thought they played well. Right. And, yes. and that's something that, I you know beating a, a team and I I I think San Antonio is probably the tenth best team in the West or so right we're not yeah. talking about a particularly good team but one thing that I've loved about this beginning part of the schedule for us I think it's really beneficial in that Golden State those guys have been together running the same system for years and years Phoenix also at this point very entrenched in their system with the same core guys Memphis I think this is year three of of Taylor Jenkins and Ja right like a lot of their core have played together and even San Antonio for all of their roster turnover there's a degree of continuity of DeJounte Murray and Jakob Pertl and you know Lonnie Walker this is his third year all these guys have oh Derek White yeah Derek White they they are they do what they do right and and, 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 so and and pop and and pop too like there's a continuity aspect sorry to jump on you there but I just want to say that 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 point really is hammered home with pop especially with 20 something years absolutely and so it's such a contrast to where we are that it's kind of a again that iron sharpens iron type of scenario where I I loved how we responded to the moment to the challenge. It, it, it's funny learning Russ's game. And I think there are worse things than Russ getting a lot of touches next to Anthony Davis without LeBron James on the floor. I think the long-term impact of a game like this is we took a couple extra steps today. And of course, and this is a journey of a thousand steps. So a couple are significant, but they are only part of it. Right. Um, but we took a couple of extra steps in developing chemistry with our lineups without LeBron James on the floor. A couple, you know, last year, a couple years ago, these types of games where an opponent that was not necessarily a good opponent, but they're okay and they played well for them for them at home. We couldn't win a game like that without LeBron on the floor. And so for me, the next question is how does how do we incorporate this with the when LeBron James comes back and how do we, you know, how do we capture what was good about this? I suppose establishing what was good about this in the first place in the absence of LeBron. I think let's zero in on Russell Westbrook. We'll get to Anthony Davis later because I think that AD is building something this season that Mm -hmm. looks to be, he's invested in Mm -hmm. just being the baddest dude on the court. Now he may not be every night, but he's invested in that idea. And so, but we'll get to him maybe in the second half of the pod. Let's start here with Russ. This, right? Like let's capitalize this. This is the Russell Westbrook. I think the Lakers wanted when they started to talk about a trade. This was also the full Russell Westbrook experience, like the full experience. Including not closing out on the three-point shooters. Including, look, early pull-up jumpers in transition where you're Mm. just like, like, what was that? 
we don't need to take that shot, right? A monster dunk after driving in a pick and roll and, and, and sort of splitting the defense up high. Um, a bunch of just power bullish drives, some of them for finishes, some of them just Kobe assists, right? Like we're getting the ball up on the glass and and the big guy has to help. And now here comes another big guy, Anthony Davis, a lot of times who had seven offensive re- rebounds, just crashing down and getting a tip in or drawing a foul. The whole thing, like the steal that he got early in the game where he was just like, nah, there's three seconds left on the shot clock. I'm I'm pressure. Like this is a possession where out of nowhere, he's just like, nah, I, th- I think I'll just deny the inbounds. Oh, no, you're going to throw a lob. No, I'm just going to be Ed Reed right now and, mm-hmm. and, and just track the ball in the air, knock it away and get a steal and go down the other way. It was the full thing with Russ and he was aggressive. I thought he showed amazing polish and touch as a finisher on a lot of his drives. Um, I thought after the game, he had said like just getting there and then concentrating on finishing like and slowing down, right? Yeah. There are things. It's so great to, to sort of hear another sort of great player talk about what his craft is, mm-hmm. right? Like we've gotten it now for, year four of LeBron James and now into year three of Anthony Davis. And we've learned or, and continue to learn about those guys and what their habits are and how they see things. And it's been super interesting to sort of see Russ navigate a new experience for him, a new situation for him, but also understanding what his game is and how he can adapt and move within the context of this specific environment in order to be successful. And Look, he knew he didn't have LeBron. He knew what what the task called for. And as a guy who's been a great player in this league, he went and did it. Like, he's like, nah, man, y'all can't stop me. Like, you can't in stop me ways, from getting to the rim. In some ways, this is a way more comfortable experience for him, right? He's yep. used to being the guy he was in that game, getting, you know, having the ball in his hands. And that was a something natural to step into, which again, like, even just from a thawing out and getting acclimated point of view LeBron missing a game and Russ just having a game like that in a Laker uniform is is really important toward building toward the next steps and him feeling more and more comfortable which there was like there's a certain amount of tentativeness that I expected that I think is natural as a result of like how often do I give the ball to LeBron how often do I take that quick pull up jumper in transition which I know you know Vogel doesn't want and we but I think that's part of like Russ getting himself going too right yeah. I, I think it's hard to separate that whole idea of like just stop doing this thing because it's part of a a, a bigger package we all live so I mean I feel like I like I'm the trying to be a philosopher like on the pod too much but we all live life a certain way right and yeah it'd be total and it'd be totally great if all of us in our lives could say yeah let's just stop doing all the bad stuff we do and only do the good stuff right only do the good stuff cut it out like a surgical yeah it don't work that way like let's be the best version of of myself every single day some people can do that i suppose right i'm not that person i don't know about you so i get it I get the idea of, man, it'd be really great if Russ just stopped shooting the early clock pull-up jumper in transition. Just like, oh, it'd be great if Melo didn't see food every single time he saw any defender 
in front of him, right? Like, oh, a like-sized guy, I'm stronger than him. A smaller dude, oh, I'm bigger than than him. Oh, a big dude, I'm small, like, I'm quicker than than him. They're all food to Carmelo Anthony. And so he's right into his jab step game. Like, oh, like I got this guy. Yeah, he's but, like, this is what I do, yeah. But there is an in-possession decision-making that I think we're always looking for something better. Even from a guy like LeBron, who we trust inherently to do the right thing, even he's like, all right, man, could you stop settling right now for like the 20-foot jumper? I know you see the help defender lurking but that doesn't mean you can't at least try to put your head down a couple of times and draw a foul right like the game from our bird's eye view of watching the game all of the time right as as spectators or on our couches and all the different cam camera angles we see the game from angles players don't and i think we're always asking this for something great more. point this is a great point the game looks so different from different perspectives that a lot of times when we see that game, you know, the game from all those different angles, we're like, why didn't this or why didn't you and all that? And it, it just it, it just is a very different experience on the court. This idea of what is the perspective that we carry is like a totally different pod. And, and it's probably an offseason pod. Right. But <laughs> sure. I thought Russ's ability to sort of shift the game to what he these are the new circumstances and just like you said, these are circumstances I'm used to controlling. I'm used to dominating in this type of environment. Let me put let me put those old shoes on and just get after it. That was super important. I also think, too, man, that I've been a Lakers fan my entire life. I've seen a lot of people come to the Lakers, the teams with expectations of doing something. And when Kobe said it's not for everyone, Right. Kobe said, oh, coming and playing for this team, it's not for everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons it's not for everyone is that there is there can feel like and I'm not saying it is this way, but it can feel like there are heightened stakes in almost every game. Right. Oh, a regular season Tuesday night game in San, San Antonio. Well, why is the crowd going crazy? <laughs> right. Like, sure. why is there all kinds of people here who are both cheering for me and booing? me like i don't get it right and oh there's lebron james or there's kobe bryant or there's magic johnson and kareem or there's shaq and it's just like okay well suddenly the ball can feel heavier or this possession feels more important than a regular season game and the fourth game of the season on a tuesday night in san antonio right and so it's like i feel like Removing some of those variables like, like a LeBron James for a new player who you want to be able to perform at a certain level by the time that the games really do matter, getting this comfort level up for him, I thought, was important. And it was nice to see him respond in the way that he responded. And when he summoned it, it was there for him. It certainly was. And let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about a certain element that I think can be carried forward, even when LeBron does come back. It's directly tied to Russ. Lakers basketball is finally back. And there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, -I -I is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. 
I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out and transition this year. And there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I loved how we started that game. We had, we've talked so much about the starting group, right? And in this game, it was Malik Monk in place of LeBron James. But what's, but what stood out to me about that group was their pace. And I think that Russell Westbrook ultimately is our pace car. I think that the idea of run with Russ should be a motto for this team of trying to keep up with him. And so without LeBron, we have, Still Russ plus two bigs. And then that inherent problem of driving lanes being closed. That was not the case in this game, in part because San Antonio was the first team we've played that went over screens. And so that's just part of Popovich's style. He will do that and not game plan specifically for a team and will like, oh, we're working on this. It's for for a long-term goal, right? Yeah, and there... There's drop coverage elements too that that are like okay well this is what we do this is how we play the drop right like That's we right. go over and Vogel does the same thing there will be a, plenty of times where it's like that dude's not a shooter. Why are we going over the top of screens? Yes. And it's because that's what Vogel's defense calls for. It's just like, and he wants the reps. He wants especially the team early to master in the season. That. Yeah, especially he, early in the year. And so, uh, and so, yeah, that that certainly helped. But the thing that we controlled was the pace of the game. You know, one way to avoid the poor spacing of Russ plus two bigs being a problem is to not be in half court offense very often. And so, like that play where you talked about where they inbounded from the baseline from the corner and Russ. Jumped it, knocked it ahead to our corner on the opposite side of the court, threw a lob to DeAndre Jordan. There's all sorts of plays like that where, like, our half-court offense was not particularly good with that group. We just didn't get into half-court offense very much. And the thing I want to ask you about is I think that this team is capable of playing comfortably at a pace that no other team can play at comfortably. And so I think that the that right now we're establishing the building blocks of playing that quarter second faster that half second faster of any other team and I thought this was our best game from a coming out of the gates right away right where everybody's playing with pace because even we could be big but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be slow like be the fastest version of yourselves at all times on the court and then we've got somebody coming in behind you that's going to run as well I think that that's like that's something that we can carry forward even when LeBron's comes back so I agree 
I agree. Let me also just say that this was DeAndre Jordan's best game of the season, right? It was probably Dwight Howard's best game of the season, just in terms of how active both of them were in playing up higher and engaging the ball handler faster, right? And and just sort of being more of a presence in the way that Vogel asks of you. And when you do that, guess what happens? You get more stops, right? You get more rebounds. And then you can play with that pace, right? You can play faster. I also think, too, that, and this is no shade to, to LeBron, like, yeah, let's replace the guy who's played 60,000 minutes with like a 24-year-old Malik Monk and then yep. let that dude go run to deep corner and run off screens and sort of just be an active young guy. And it's yes. sort of just like, oh, okay, well, this brought a different element to the team that I thought was important even with two bigs, right? And defense, and this is an obvious statement, so it's going to sound weird to say this, but Teams aren't going to treat Malik Monk the same way they're going to treat LeBron James, both in the most obvious ways, right? Like, okay, well, one's one of the best players of all time and one is a sixth man, right? But the other way is like, you guard Malik Monk, like that's out what, to 25 I, feet, right? And so the yes, difference in yes. like, the difference in the geometry of the court mattered too. We were talking offline a couple of pods ago about how defenses treat the Lakers stars. Yes, absolutely. And with Monk, so it's not like you leave LeBron James open to to shoot threes, but LeBron's ability to drive to the basket and attack closeouts impacts how you close out to him, right? And so it's not that you leave him open. It's just that the way you don't want to necessarily chase him off of the line and create that driving lane that wouldn't be there. So he's going to get open shots this year as a function of an overall broader defense. And so even though he's a good shooter, he's also a great driver and and with Monk, it's totally different. Teams are going to close out hard to him, are going to chase him off of the line when they can. And so again, that like what I've been saying with the starters, that idea of every decision the defense makes being able to be geared toward protect the paint with Malik Monk, that changes the equation a little bit. And even if you look across the team uh, of, of our lineups, of our you know the net ratings of different pairings and whatnot, the shooters right now, which I would consider Monk, Reeves, Mello, and Ellington, who hasn't played, of course, but those are the four real shooters on this team. Those guys are off the charts on all of that. And I think it really speaks to the value of adding shooting to the different lineups that we have. Yeah, and gravity and intentional mm -hmm. gravity mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. players who the defense feels like they have to guard, right? Like the other thing I would add to the point that you were making about LeBron is that every offensive player has a certain, when you're the defense, there's like, a, a, there's like ranked choice right about the things that you prefer happen at the end of any give give in possession and if ranked choice for lebron james is always a jump shot every single time like if the possession ends for lebron and he's going to do something with the ball right like this is going to count towards his usage rate you want it to be a jump shot right and if it's a long jump shot even better if it goes in you tip your cap if he misses, then you're just like, yeah, what we did worked, right? Mm -hmm. And if and if LeBron James every single game basically didn't have a single assist and didn't have a single drive and shot 
25 jump shots. And if he scored 50 points on 25 jump shots, the defense would say that the head coach would be there. Well, you know, we executed our game plan per perfectly and a great player beat us. That, That's right. That would That's be the right. response. Right. And so let's go back, though, to Russ and the idea of like what can what can be sustainable from this. I thought I, I do not think you can rely on your bigs to play as engaged as as well as they did this game this looked like a game where okay after all the tape and after all the messages and film sessions and walkthroughs about what we need from our bigs they were just like all right all right we got you against game. a front court that isn't particularly athletic that was something that stood out in this game too is just there's we're gonna play teams where there's a big time athleticism difference yes and i also thought too that for the lakers like I, I do not think they have seen the benefit of playing big very often this season. Against the Spurs, I thought that they did. They, they did. crowded the paint much better. And when they did play two big lineups, I thought those lineups were mostly effective. And they were better than smaller lineups again. Against yeah, them for sure. and I thought AD was really, and maybe this is a great time to get into Anthony Davis, I just thought he was incredibly active and just a fantastic defensive player this this game. And the shot making came and went, and it came when it really needed to, right? But overall, his effort and going to the offensive glass and, and all of the things, like, did he get bullied some by Pirtle, like, on the defensive glass? Like, he did, but it's just like, look, it is what, what it is. He had 17 rebounds, he, and 10 of those were defensive. He hit nearly half of his shots and was... And was critical in pretty much every run that the Lakers made. So kudos to Anthony Davis and he looks ready. D he he was 35 and 17 with four blocks and he only shot three for 14 on his jumpers. Right. This wasn't the version of him that catches a heater and you know everything he's shooting is is dropping. And that's really such a departure from last season where that being that monster around the rim and around the basket it's coming certainly with a great deal of scares, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and falls and all of that. But his domination around the basket on both ends of the floor has been game warping. It really has, like, because we're bad and still in a lot of aspects of the game. And a lot of that is is the injuries for, for certain combined with the lack of familiarity and experience. But just as Russ was in that position to be like, oh, I know how to do this. Anthony Davis, like, we we shouldn't have won that game due to the personnel that we had available and due to how San Antonio played pretty well. And But he just warped things in a way that it didn't even rely on his jump shot. And so that ability to dominate inside is part of the reason why I'm, I'm so adamant about that idea of we could be a really great power small ball team with this Anthony Davis because yeah. we, like you, we still have a lot of those, those powerful aspects of the game, even though we do not, would not have a traditional five out there. He is, well, the thing is, is he is a traditional five in today's NBA. Right. Like he's probably the closest thing to an all court five that you'll have, like mm -hmm. all respect due to Joel Embiid and even Nikola Jokic. Right. Like those guys are MVP caliber players, but so is Anthony Davis. And neither of those dudes move like AD. Right. Like you wouldn't ask either of those dudes to go chase Keldon Johnson or Vassell. AD was on wings 
for part of the game. He's nuts, man. He like some of the things that he does that even beyond the box war. I'm so glad you brought that up. Like he's been fighting over screens defensively. It's just he makes no sense. He's just on one early this season. And it's way more reminiscent of what he looked like in his first season with the team. And if you remember, we were having the same discussion about his jumper not falling during his first season. I remember there was all that hype about how, oh, he worked with that shooting coach over the offseason and and his jumpers looking great, like in workouts and offseason. And then the season started and we're like, man, his jumper's not falling. He's shooting like 10% right? his like, jumpers. Yeah. Like, like what happened? This was like he was supposed to improve at this and it's not there. And meanwhile, the Lakers are running... 15 post-ups a game for him, for him to just face up and turn and shoot. And it's just like, what's the plan here? But the rest of the game, I don't want to say come so easy to him, but he makes hard things look easy, right? And the super duper hard things, he can still accomplish them in at a rate that doesn't really seem possible. And then that becomes almost normal and you start to expect it from him. And then when he doesn't do it, it's just like, oh, AD is not playing that great. And it's just like, are we watching the same game? Like, sure. right? Because in reality, that idea of warping the court, he also warps our minds a little bit about what's possible and what isn't on a basketball court for a player of, of his size. Like he had that play, man, where he erased a shot at the rim, block shot, got the ball in transition, brought it up, and then inside out dribbled and got to the hole for a layup plus plus the foul. And it's just like, wait, who who is this guy? Just, right? it's nuts, man. Yeah, it was Pirtle drop-stepped on him and tried to shoot a lefty reverse layup on the other side. And AD was all over it, blocked it with his left hand. That's the thing about his shot blocking. It, and you had a great tweet yesterday about he didn't get his, what, 12th block shot until nine games into the season yeah. or something like that. And he's already got it through four games. You know, he's an ambidextrous shot blocker. So he blocks his shot with his left hand. Like you said, hits Pirtle with the inside-out dribble in transition. That that's a commonality that he has with Russ that together they kind of um, there's an exponential growth in one element of the game. And it's cheap and easy and free points. It's putbacks. It's an inside out dribble and transition that gets you an and one. It's a steal and then a lob to DeAndre Jordan. One of the things I'm excited about and AD plays into this heavily is just that idea of not every basket we score has to be so hard. And I think that we saw a lot of that in, in this game. Before we go, because I know we want to wrap up soon. Where do you see Malik Monk's role going? Because I'm flirting with, with writing about Monk soon, maybe in tandem with Carmelo Anthony. And, and I think that um, Melo had a great game the other night, right? He basically won that game. Like his performance was critical in, in beating the Grizzlies. On Tuesday against the Spurs, Melo didn't play very well, but then in comes a Malik Monk, right? Who is basically some guard version of Melo basically, right, where he sees food in the same way that we were talking about earlier when he sees a defensive guy in front front of him and Monk talking about every time I shoot, I think it's going in, right? My teammates trust me. I got confidence. I got confidence already, but my teammates trust me, so I got even more confidence now, right? And that idea of, of this dude's a shooter, shooter, defenses treat him like that. He can shoot on the move. He can shoot coming off of screens. He can shoot as a spot up guy. He can shoot off the dribble. Can pull up from 30 with less than a minute left. And yeah. It's, it's do just that like, confidently. he's hit some big time shots just in terms of like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a bucket getter shot. Yeah. He's right there. Wonderful score. He was plus 31 
in a game the Lakers won by four. That doesn't even make sense to me, right? Like, so if he plays the whole game, the Lakers win by 120, right? Like, like what's going on? But obviously he's not going to do that every night. I feel like Monk is somewhat getting a shot now because the rotation is so thinned out and because so many guards are hurt. How do you see his role evolving? How much do you want to see of him later when guys start to get back healthy? Because this game was an interesting barometer for me of what Monk can be if you commit to him. But you're not going to get this every night, so it's going to be tricky for establishing what he should and should not be from a night-to-night basis. I think it's okay if we don't get it from him every night. He is a vet minimum player, and that's true of Carmelo Anthony as well. And that's part of the idea of stacking strengths upon each other is the exact point of Carmelo Anthony may be on fire one night, but maybe not the next night. This is just even great shooters, great scorers. That is the nature of basketball. But on a lot of nights, either Carmelo Anthony or Malik Monk are you know, going to have it as a score going to have. And so Monk's role to me going forward is a, a bench score. I don't think he's a, he's a starter, like in a, in a playoff type of situation. And I still have like a lot of Pirtle's pick and roll buckets came from late rotations by Monk and, it, but he was a plus 31, right? He's shown the ability to chase off of screens. He's playing very hard. He also has quick hands like Melo. And so there are certain attributes that I'm looking for from the vet minimum guys, especially the offensive specialists that are like, yo, this is great. We, you were a plus 31 in San Antonio in game four of the season. How can this translate into contributions in the playoffs? And so that, that role is a chaser, chasing guys off of screens, that ability to dig down and get deflections. These are all finding like little bits and pieces of what can can be done. But I ultimately think he's with that second unit, especially uh, in that second quarter and fourth quarter. And if he's if he's got a heater, if he's playing well, if he's got it that night, he could totally close the games yeah. because he's got that elite shot making and that ability to make open shots that Russ is going to create, LeBron, even AD's pressure on the rim and rim running is going to create all of that is just this recipe for open shots and so having those shot makers the monks the mellows guys like that they're going to be totally appropriate for those games where they do have it going so that's how i see him as kind of this bench guy that has the capability to close games where where are you at with him i really like his speed and his quickness just as an attribute that's on the floor right we need it we we need guys who i'm sorry to, to like we're a team that's built to run and we're missing a few of our guys that will do a lot of running. Like Kendrick Nunn is going to run a lot. And, uh, you know, THT is going to run a lot. Malik Monk runs a lot, covers a lot of distance rather than asking so many of the older guys that we have to do that. Well, no, that's the point I was going to make too, is that this team does skew old. It'll be mentioned a lot, but it's mentioned a lot because it's true and maybe it's low hanging fruit, but Hey, low hanging fruit gets picked. So what do you want to do? (laughs) So to have him available now and in contrast, and I think this is true for Reeves too, that there is just a certain level of movement and how a guy moves around the floor and, and how easily he does or does not move around the floor and caught like you see it in contrast to some of the other guys, right? Like, look, this isn't 28 year old Carmelo Anthony anymore or 28 year old Dwight Dwight Howard anymore or DeAndre Jordan right and so these guys have lost a step it's there's a reason why they're minimum players now and two or and two or of two of those three dudes are going to are going to the Hall of Fame 
right? And, and, and so they reached a status in this league and they're not those guys anymore. And so I, I've appreciated that quickness and that speed and that sort of verve that Monk has shown, particularly offensively, right? Because that's really where his bread is buttered. But even defensively, just some of the fight that he's shown and like, I... Maybe this is going to be me channeling Vogel here a little bit, but every game is another chance to like put something on tape, to learn, to get more familiar and get a better sense of what's required of you on a possession to possession basis. And did Monk make some mistakes? Yeah. Austin Reeves made a ton of mistakes too. This, did. this last and, game. And this was the first game where his physicality really like there were a few guys that kind of overpowered him. Yeah. So Guys are going to make mistakes, young young players especially, but learning from those and playing with effort is, I think, what Vogel really, at you a baseline level, like that's what you want, right? Yeah. And yeah. I thought that's where some of maybe there was one particular player, like, right? I thought Rondo didn't play with as much defensive effort as was needed, and it's one of the reasons why when he was on the court, like the Lakers were minus 15, right? And so there's a difference on a night-to-night basis that I think the young guys can make. It's one of the reasons why I've been disappointed with not only the number of guys who are hurt, but who specifically has has been hurt. I've been missing THT minutes and missing Kendrick Nunn minutes, right? Ariza's not that sort of guy, but the Lakers need someone who plays Ariza's spot, like his exact sort of player profile. They really need that guy too, so I've missed Ariza too. But Monk getting a chance to sort of stand out some and say like, hey, I can I can play. Look at me and and I can help. And is it going to be pretty every, every time? It's not. But he's got some stones and he made a big shot. And without him, the Lakers probably lose by 20 something. Right. He's plus 31 in a game. They win by four. So just wanted to shout out Monk really quickly and talk about him as well, because I thought he was super important to the outcome of this game. I'm so glad you did in finding the the games, the types of teams that just the nature of vet minimum players and Monk's better than a vet minimum guy, in my opinion, just in terms of of talent. But finding the nature of vet minimum guys is that they're going to be really good and really appropriate against some teams and some styles and not the fit for the other. But the construction of the roster is built to if a game's not appropriate for a Carmelo Anthony and maybe a more defensive-minded bigger four like Trevor Ariza is is more appropriate for that. And so finding those situations, finding those times where a guy can can fit in. Monk is a guy that that shooting that he provides is so beneficial on offense. Finding a defensive role for him is going to be especially critical. But overall, really great win in San Antonio, real building block that I think that the effort and the teams that we're playing that are, are so full of continuity is going to be really beneficial for us long-term. Got a soft schedule coming up. We're playing OKC tonight. Hopefully we can you know, close out that back-to-back. We will be here tomorrow to cover it on the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. 
a Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Let's go. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.